So we're on week four. We're going to jump straight into John 17. And the title of our, our series is Glory. And we've been talking about the last prayer that Jesus prayed. You know, we, we talk about the Lord's Prayer and we always associate it with Matthew chapter 6. But I think the real Lord's Prayer is in John 17. Because in John 17, it's a full chapter, 26 verses. And it's the very last prayer of Jesus. It's the longest prayer of Jesus. And he prays it out loud. We know he prayed quite a bit. Constantly, we, we read that in the Gospels. He would disappear to pray. He would, he would be, you know, he would minister and, and, and then he would, he would get on a boat and then go into the middle of the Sea of Galilee to pray. Or he would go up on a mountain and pray or into a garden. But we, we don't have a lot of, of really knowledge on what he was praying. We know he prayed, but what was he praying? John 17 gives us an incredible 26 verses of what Jesus was praying. In his in last prayer, you know, before the garden, before the cross... And we haven't made it out the first five verses, y'all, and I, I apologize for that. Uh, we are on week four, and I, I'm going to finish this up in two more weeks. So we'll, we'll focus on the disciples. He prays for himself in the first five verses. Then he prays for the disciples, and then he prays for the world. I just haven't been able to get past the first five verses because there's so much in there. And, uh, and so today we're going we're gonna to finalize it here on, 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 on verse five. And, and there's some important, just few verses I want us to look at. But we'll start in verse one. And so Jesus, after he had said these things, the upper room discourse is what that is known, as he looked toward heaven after he got through teaching his disciples and he prayed. He said, Father, the time has come. Glorify your son, that your son may glorify you. For you granted him authority over all people, that he might give eternal life to all those that you have given him. Verse 3, this is eternal life, that people would know God. Now, that's not a head knowledge. We talked about that last week. That's a heart knowledge. That's a relationship. That's eternal life, that people would know God, the only true God in Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Now, verse 4 and 5 is our assignment this morning. I've brought you glory on earth by completing the work that you gave me to do. And so now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. Let's look at verse 4 again. I have brought you glory by building a temple. <laughs> I've brought you glory by praying 20 hours a day. I brought you glory by healing the sick and raising the dead. And he said, no, I brought you glory by finishing. Look at your neighbor and say, finish. Finish. I've brought you glory by finishing the work that you gave me to do. And so he goes on, verse 5, and he says, Now, Lord, give me the glory that I had before I came here, <laughs> before the world began. When I was a kid, we lived out on Robinson Point Road. It's north of here. And we lived on a dirt road, and we, we had a couple acres of land and a pond. And so uh, my dad, in the summertime when I was out of school, he would give me these random things to do during the day. Just like, just like random, silly things to do that I didn't like to do. Like he would, uh, we, we didn't have a lawnmower. We had a machete. Y'all know those push lawnmower things that spin? Uh, so we had one of those. And it was two acres, I think, two or three acres. 
And so that was my dad. He would give me jobs, like cut around the pond, all the bushes down around the pond before I get home. <laughs> or mow the yard with our, our awesome push mower, you know what I'm saying, before I get home. And, and so I, I knew when he would give me these assignments and these things to do, I, I was pretty good. I'm a master procrastinator, okay? I mean, I have mastered it. And so I knew how many video games I could play and how, you know, I could run around on my bike. But I knew I had to get home in order to get that job done before dad got home. And even if it was silly, and because what, what would happen is if I didn't do it, it would double. You know what I'm saying? Like, so if I, if I got home and I didn't do those things, I better have a really good, I better be dead or like real bad sick or, or you know, something bad should be wrong. But I, I knew I had to get this work done. And when Jesus is praying to his father, the last prayer Right before, I mean, the cross and right before his, as we know, is the week of passion. What he's reminding himself and what he's coming to God with was not really all the accolades, but that God, his father, had given him a work and he had completed it. And this is important because when we look at the work of Jesus, sometimes we can think, well, maybe the work that he did was accidental. You know, that he came down from heaven. We know that he was with God and he left that glory. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And they were happy, y'all. I believe that God is happy. I don't think God is mean. I think people are mean and upset. And, uh, and they represent God. And so we think God's like that. But I think God is happy. I think God is sufficient all in, in of, of himself. And, and, and we know that because it was the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit together in perfect harmony. We'll, we'll really never see that on this side of eternity. Perfect harmony, right? Relationships are messy. But the God that created us created us out of perfect relationship. The Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And it was from there, I don't know how it went down. John 1 says that in the beginning was the Word, that was Jesus. And the Word was God, and the Word was with God. And and so at some point, in, if you can remove the world, remove the earth, remove all of the galaxies and the stars and the sun, before all that existed, we had the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit together in perfect unity. And in some point, they decided, you know what? We're going to create. <laughs> we're going to build. And then we're going to put people on this planet. And this plan that we know as salvation was something that was assigned to Jesus before the world was ever made. It wasn't accidental. You know, he didn't come and was, and was born in a manger, wrapped in swaddling clothes, and just was kind of stumbling around, wondering what he was going to do. And he knows he's here, and God put him here, but, but he didn't know his father. He didn't know quite know. I, I believe everything that Jesus did, every step he took, was assigned. He would say things like, I must go through Samaria. Disciples didn't understand that. Nobody went to Samaria. In that day, they know the Samarians were known as half-breeds. Jewish people did not associate with Samaritans, but he was on assignment, y'all. He did things. He, 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 it looked like his schedule was kind of relaxed, but I think that he had a tighter schedule than we realize. I think that he was getting downloads from his father, and he was going and doing everything that he, he seen and heard his father telling him to do. And so that's a really big deal. When we, when we unpack that and know that, that the plan of salvation was not something that man came up with. 
The plan of salvation was not something that organized religion came up with. The plan of salvation was something the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit birthed from within them, and we are experiencing it today. And as he's coming towards the end of his assignment and the end of his work is where we get this incredible prayer. And when we look back at the story and, and what we know as, as, as history, we see that every single moment in the life of Jesus was orchestrated. It was a divine appointment. And this prayer shows that to us. And I think the disciples were wondering, is this man really from God? Is he really the son of God? Is he really who he says he is? Because up to this point, there was a lot of questions. Up to this point, there was a lot of things that they didn't understand. But I think he made that very clear. And what I love about this one verse is, is, is and this is where I want to land today. This is going to be our, our, our topic for this morning. Is that the work that God gave him to do was, I think, the most important thing in his life. Jesus. And, and when he prays, you know, we want to bring God glory, right? I mean, we've been talking about this years. We want our life to bring God glory. We want, we want to do something that matters. Every person does. We, there's a huge shortage right now of people to work. Have you all noticed that? Anybody? And there's not a shortage of people, okay? There's a, there's a shortage of people who want to work, and we know this. And I think what's going on is, is what's happened in the last 18 months or so is, is whenever we go through a situation like we've all gone through, the whole world's gone through a trauma. First time, I think, in the history of the world. I can't remember. I mean, if you, the whole world has gone through something that they didn't choose. And now we're searching for meaning. Because if the job that I had, the work I was doing, I was doing it for a paycheck, well, that ain't going to suffice anymore. And if the job that I was doing, I was doing it because I wanted to move up the ladder and get that corner office and the window view and the nice couch I could sleep on, you know, and the company car and the company card and the company phone. And, and, and now we know that that's not real fulfilling. And if that's what's motivating us, and so I don't know if it's a lack, I don't think people are lazy. I think people want meaning to what they do with their lives. I think people want to know that what they're doing is making a difference. A friend of mine sent me a TikTok video. I'm not on TikTok, but he sent me a TikTok video. Something like 4 million people in April left their jobs. And, and there's more people now changing careers than ever in the history of the United States that they've been searching it. Pew Research has done a study. It said 60% of people during the last 18 months that have left their jobs don't plan on going back to the field that they left. People are searching for meaning. They want to know that the work I'm doing, I want to know that the work I'm doing is making a difference. And so the work is a four-letter word. You know what I'm saying? It's one of those four-letter words. That, you know, for some people, it's not a good word. It's a bad word. But I want to help change that a little bit this morning. I want you to see, I want to go back to Genesis, and I want to look at the first mention, the first thing that God did, God the Father. And we go to Genesis 1. It says, in the beginning, God laid on his couch and enjoyed the view from heaven. No, I don't think he said that. No. In the beginning, what did he do? God created. He worked. And when we read Genesis 1 and 2, it's a journal of God's work. 
It's not a journal of God's enjoyment or how God rested or how God worked himself. No, it was a journal of our creative God and the canvas was what we see and him painting the world into existence. It's a journal of work. And when we look at the first mention, it's important to see the first mention. Because uh, uh, when we see the first mention of anything in the Bible, it gives us the most accurate description of what it is. And so the first thing that we see our God do in the very beginning was put on his pants and his overalls and get dirty. He worked. And so I think the first thing with work I want us to see is that work is an activity of God. God works. God works. Jesus worked. He would minister to the point he would get so tired. And y'all know the story. In the middle of a storm, when the disciples think they're dying, he was so tired he was asleep in the bottom of the boat. He would minister and he would exhaust. Now, this is God and man. He was all God and all man. He would work so hard to the point where I, I could just imagine the disciples had to, to just get him out of the crowds and carry him out because he exhausted every bit he had into the work that his father gave him to do. A lot of people have never felt that. A lot of people have never given their whole selves to anything. Jesus gave him whole, his whole self to work because he's seen work as an activity of God. He didn't see work as something that somebody was making him do. Come on, he didn't see work as just, I gotta, you know, I owe, I owe, so off to work I go. That's our mentality, right? I'm gonna pay bills and die. That's, I guess that's why I'm here. No, 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 no. Work is an activity of God. Work is your gift. It's, it's, it's what God has placed in you to do. It's what God has created you to do. And it's, it's, it's what makes us, I think, image bearers. God worked, so, so we work. In the beginning, God worked. And this is important to see work as something that God does because how I view my work is going to determine how I do my work. Because if I see my work as something that my boss gave me that I can't stand, and if I had the chance, I'd probably cut his tires. And, uh, you, know, I, you know, if I see my work as something coming from a person, I'm not going to give my whole heart to it. If I see my work as something I have to do, I got to get up and go to work today. There's people in Baptist Hospital right now that would love to get up and go to work. One of the things we try to do here, the culture we try to say, is we, we get to do ministry. As, as soon as I start saying in my mind, I've got to do this, I need to probably either take a break, get away from it. And so many people, that's, they feel that every day. It's just a grind. I have to do this. If I don't go to work, it's, it's all going to fall apart. If I, you know, the, the weight and the pressure. But then not only that, to spend most of your life doing something that you don't enjoy. Or spend most of your life doing something that you did because a guidance counselor told you to do it. You'd make good money and you could buy a nice house and a car and take care of your family. But I want you to see this. The word vocation, the Latin meaning means to call. And so your work, your vocation is a calling. And before there's guidance counselors, there's a God who calls. And the work that you're doing and that God has called you to do is so important. And I want you to see this for a moment because Jesus at 33 left this earth. He walked this earth as a man. His ministry was just a few years. 
And so if we were to meet Jesus right now, if he was to come back and do that whole process again, most of his time, y'all, you know where it was spent? It wasn't healing the sick. It wasn't raising the dead. It wasn't in the churches. It wasn't on the shores of Galilee teaching. It was in a workshop. He was a carpenter. For 30 years, he worked. Now, this is God. This is the Son of God. <laughs> and he came to this planet, and for like 80% of that time, he was working with his hands. He was building. We don't know what he built. There's a lot of like questions around that. I'd love to think that he built chairs and tables. That would be so awesome to have a chair that Jesus built. I mean, come on now. Like, how rad would that be? Invite people over. Yeah, that's a, one of those Jesus chairs. <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, yeah. But then there's some other, other ideas out there that, that he possibly built houses, that he was a framer. And that, that, that Greek word carpenter means to frame or to build with, work with wood, so we don't really know. But we do know he spent most of his time working, getting dirty, sweaty. That's not glamorous work. But it was that work, y'all, in the workshop that prepared him for the work he did on the Sermon on the Mount. It was that work of walking in this faith. I mean, he is the, if anybody is qualified to take a mic and to speak, it was Jesus. But he stayed quiet for decades. And he built. And he worked. And it was in those moments, I have to believe, it was in the workshop where he was talking to his father. And it was in the workshop where he was getting the downloads. And it was in the workshop where he knew, I'm building chairs, I'm building tables, I'm building houses, but it's, it's the trees that I put on the planet. Come on. And, and, and as he's building these, he knows that I'm, his real calling is to build people, but he built chairs and tables for a while. And I have to believe that, there, that God was no prouder of him when he was building people as he was when he was building chairs and tables. I have to believe that God was just as happy with him when he was in that workshop with sawdust and sweat as he was when he was sitting on, at the edge of the Sea of Galilee telling people to believe on his father. And I want you to see that in what you do. I want you to know that your, your, your work is not just a job, it's a calling. It's a calling. High schoolers, middle schoolers, in college, if you're here... Before you go to a guidance counselor, go to the God who calls. Before, I mean, I'm thankful for guidance counselors. I, I'm thankful that they're there. But what, what, you know, 100 years ago, 200 years ago, 1,000 years ago, there was this idea, this concept that I think we've, we've lost in our culture today that, that God only, he only calls people to do stuff on the platform in a church. He doesn't call people to be lawyers and doctors and, 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 and entrepreneurs, but I, I, I think that's wrong. Let me read this to you. Dallas Willard, The Divine Conspiracy. He says, if Jesus was alive today, he would carry out his mission through most any decent and useful occupation. He could come as a clerk or an accountant in a hardware store, a computer repairman, a banker, an editor, doctor, waiter, teacher, farmhand, lab technician, or construction worker. He could run a house, a house cleaning service or repair automobiles. In other words, if Jesus were to come today, he would very well do exactly what you do. 
He could very well live in your apartment or house, hold down your job, have your education in life, prospects, and live within your family and surroundings in time. None of this would be the least hindrance to the eternal kind of life that his by nature and becomes available to us through him. I want you to hear this. What you do matters. And where you go every day, it's not just a job. It's not just a career. It's a vocation. It's a calling. And there's nothing that you could do. There is not a better way that you could spend your time than to find what that is. And that's why I'm so passionate about Grove Trek. That's why we offer that here, because I, I know there's a lot of people that were like me that became a Christian and then didn't really think that their gifts fit into anything. I didn't know what I was supposed to do. Didn't really know what I was good at. I didn't think there were any spiritual gifts for me. And but as we discover these gifts in us, we find that God has gifted every person. God has given you an ability to do what you do. God has given you the ability to go to work the way that you do, to work the way that you do, the skills that you have. You have to see it as something that God has placed in you. I know you went to good schools, and I know you had some help, and I know you had mentors, but where did the raw materials come from? You have to see it that way. You have to see that God, and it doesn't matter what it is. You have to see it as a gift. You have to see it as God placing it in your life. Dr. Martin Luther King said it like this. Whatever you do in life, if it's a street sweeper, right? If it falls on your lot to sweep streets in life, then sweep streets like Michelangelo, <laughs> like he painted pictures. Sweep streets like Beethoven, composed music. Uh, you know, sweep streets like poetry, like Shakespeare wrote. Sweep streets so well that all that you do, all of hosts of heaven will pause and have to say, here is an incredible, great street sweeper who swept his job well. Do it with all your heart. I'll never forget when I first started, I worked at Pepsi for a while. Did y'all know that? Ten, almost 10 years, and, and, and the beginning stages of working there was just, it felt like meaningless work, stocking shelves, driving trucks. But then I realized that it was more than that. It was more than that. It was about people. It was about God giving me the, the, the training I needed and, the, and the, the relationships I needed. But if I would have looked at it as just a dead-end job, I would have never given it my all. And I know a lot of people feel that way. I know that. But maybe, just maybe. I wonder if Jesus ever felt like that in the workshop. While he's building chairs. And he's the son of God. And he's building chairs out of trees that he made. Way underqualified, y'all. I have to believe that maybe he felt like he was wasting his life at times. I have to believe that maybe he felt like, this is not what I came here to do. I came here to show this world my father, and, I'm, and what does that have to do with building chairs? I have to believe at some point he got discouraged in what he was doing. 
And so maybe the work that God has called you to do may not feel like the work that God would call you to do. I don't know. But can you look at it that way? That's my challenge. Can you take a job that you don't like, working with people that maybe you don't like, <laughs> doing something somewhere you don't want to be, and give it your, whole, your 100%? Give it everything you have? Work at it like it's what God had, has put you there to do. Now, if you're running square groupers from Mexico, okay, you can just, y'all know what a square grouper is? Don't Google it. I'm sorry. Now, you know, if you're doing something like that, I don't know how I can glorify God in this job. If you're, if you're doing something, if you're hit, man, I don't know. I, don't, I mean, if you're, maybe you need to pray about that occupation. I don't know if God called you to do that. I don't, there was some, I mean, I don't know. But, but so out of those categories, maybe you're exactly where God wants you to be in a job that maybe you don't feel like he, you're supposed to be doing with people you don't feel like you're supposed to be with, maybe that's exactly where God wants you. Because if you can view it that way and see it like it's from God, and here, here's, my, here's my next thing, because I know this, I know this. I don't know much, but I know this. God has a specific work for me to do. God has a specific work for you to do. I don't think it was just Jesus I mean, we know he had a specific work. We know that. And in his prayer, he talks about it. I've, come, I've finished the work, Dad. I've finished the work you gave me to do. It was specific. It was assigned. You have a specific work to do from God. He said, well, I'm retired. You have a specific work to do from God. I think you have even more work to do now because there's a lot of people that need your wisdom. There's a lot of people that need to hear how you went 30 years and didn't give up and end up going crazy. Now, there, there, there's a bunch of people that need to receive from you. I mean, I, I like the way John Maxwell says, I'm going to work till I die. I want, I want to have to hit the brakes so hard that I, I'm going to slam through the gates when I, when I, when I end this, this life here into eternity. I like that perspective. Retirement is just God is just shifting you from one calling to another. That's all it is. It's, it's a calling. It's a calling. Vocation. Hear that. It means calling. It's not just a job. It's not just senseless work. It's a calling. And so if you're alive and you have a pulse and you can hear my voice, you have work to do. But I want you to see it not as something negative, but as something very positive. That it's an incredible work. It's a glorious work. It's a work that God is going to partner with you in. It's a work that's going to change the world. It's a work that's going to change your family and the community. And God has a specific work for you. And I want you just at some point to embrace that and know that if maybe you're not, you don't feel like you're doing that right now, don't give up. And if you don't, it's an 80-20 rule. Nothing in life is 100%. There's many versions of the 80-20 rule, but this is, I found this one helpful. There's no job in life that's 100%. There's no person in life that's 100%. So if you're looking for 100% in your spouse, you're probably going to, there's no church that's 100%. Like, well, I'm leaving, Pastor. I'm going to, I found a better church. I found a perfect church. Well, it was perfect till you got there. Because uh, there's nothing, I mean, there's no imperfect people on this planet 
And so there's going to be no imperfect work. This incredible, glorious thing called work that God created Adam to do, it was our first initial design. It was original design. He placed Adam and Eve in the garden. He says, I want you to till the garden, take care of it, and protect it, cultivate it. That's what we're here to do. But sin tainted that. And so now there's no job that's going to give you everything you're looking for. I'm sorry. It's the 80-20. So, so what happens is people will get 80% of what they want out of a job or a church or a person. And then the, the enemy will dangle 20% over here. That 20% you're not getting. <laughs> and so now you've got eight. I mean, you're fulfilled. Your, job, I mean, your bills are paid. You're eating good, right? You got a house over your head. I mean, those are good things. And then you get unsatisfied in this work because you're looking at maybe what it's not doing or fulfilling for you. But my question is, can you give 100% in a job that maybe you're only getting 80%? Can you, can you give 100% in a job that maybe you're only getting 50%? It's that, do, do all things, do all things as unto the Lord. And I have to believe if Jesus made tables, y'all, they didn't have crooked legs. Uh, if he made chairs, they didn't, they, they didn't rock unless they were made to rock, right? Rocking chairs, come on. Dorothy Sawyer says it like this. She has an essay called Why Work. She says, no crooked table legs or ill-fitting drawers ever, I dare swear, came out of that carpenter's shop at Nazareth. Nor if they did, could anyone believe that they were made by the same hand that made heaven and earth. And so I'm finding in my life that the way I leave one season determines how I enter the next. And when I was getting ready to leave my career at Pepsi, it would have been really easy for me to start doing bad work. But I didn't want to do that. I knew God was calling me to, to something else, to ministry. I knew that. But I wanted to finish well. I want you to hear that. That if we name the name of Christ, it gives us no excuse to do sloppy work. If we name the name of Christ, it gives us no excuse to do halfway work or to just give half of ourselves. If that's where you are, do yourself and your employer a favor and find somewhere else. Because they didn't give you that. It came from God. You've got to see that. Your calling comes from God. Now, we can get out of alignment. I know we can do things that maybe we're not called to do, and it gets frustrated. It gets uncomfortable. And, and, and when we get in these transition seasons, but I want you to hear this, how you leave one season determines the next. And I got to believe that there was no crooked tables coming out of that carpenter shop. I got to believe that he gave it all that he had, whether he was building chairs or building people. And so whatever it is that God has called you to do, here's my last, I'm going to ask the band to come on back up. Can you see it and view it as it's with God and it's for God? Because when we can view our work as something that we do with God and for God, it's going to be incredible. It's going to be glorious. It, it, it's, it's not something that I go and do apart from him it's it's you know we have, i think have this mentality that we worship on sunday and we work on monday but i want you to see that your work is worship everything that you do you leave your name on it and it doesn't matter if you're busting tables or if you're sweeping streets 
we all start somewhere. We all, I mean, and now we're seeing that it's those types of, it's those jobs, it's these public service jobs that are the most important. They really are. Because they touch so many lives. And they're just as much of a calling as any other job may be. God calls people to drive buses. God calls people to do things that maybe we wouldn't want to do, but they're important and they're necessary. But the only way I think to really walk in that is to see your occupation, your vocation as your ministry location. That's where God's called you to serve. That's the people God's called you to touch. That's the people that God's called you to minister to. Or maybe there's somebody there that you need to, because I'm, I know this, one phone call and your whole life can change. I know you're waiting on that job. You've got that dream job or you've got that, that thing that you feel God has placed in your heart and you're not there yet. This is for somebody. Or maybe you're working in a field, you got a degree in this field, but now you're working in this field and you're, you want to get back to what you went to school for. God can rearrange that and change it in a moment. But oftentimes he wants to know if we'll be faithful in a place that we don't want to be. Will we be faithful doing something that maybe isn't glamorous or exactly what we wanted to do? Can we give it our heart and everything that we have? So I want to encourage you. I, I, I feel like if you've, if you've felt like maybe you're not in the place that you're supposed to be, if you've gotten, felt discouraged in your job or your career, or maybe you're in between right now and, and, and or you're, you know, your job is making some changes, I don't know, but I want to encourage you to finish the work and finish it well. And if you don't know what that is, if you don't know what that is that God has called you to do, this is a good time as we pray and worship to ask him. Lord, what's the work that you've called me to? I know you've been on Career Builder and you've talked with guidance counselors and you've, you've gotten a lot of counsel and that's good. But have you just gotten just, just Lord, I, I know I've done this for most of my life, but here I am in this in-between place. Maybe, I, maybe there's something next you have for me to do. So I want us to do this. If you just bow your heads, we're going to, I want to pray. And I, I want to just pray for people specifically this morning that maybe you are in between right now. Or maybe you're in a job and you're, you're crying on Sunday night because Monday morning's coming and it's that hard. And it's, and it's getting that difficult and it's getting that discouraging at times. I want you to know you're not alone. I want you to know it's okay. It's okay. But I also want you to know that God has got you. And he's going to take care of you. And the gifts that you have and the place that you are right now and, and what you do, what you call his work, God has called you to that. God has placed gifts inside of you. We have this treasure in earthen vessels. And your gift back to God is how you use it. And so don't see that ride in the morning as you're going to work for a boss or you're going to work for a paycheck. No, you're going to work for the King of Kings. 
because you're called to do what you're, you're doing right now. God has anointed you to do what you're doing right now. And God is going to bless you. And he's going to keep that business. He's going to keep you. And when you get discouraged and you're hiding and you're, you're getting so overwhelmed that you can't let people see it's overwhelming you. It's in those moments that God is going to meet you. And he's going to give you what you need. He's going to give you the wisdom. He's going to give you the, the, the strength that you need. Look to him. I just want to pray for folks that just you just feel like giving up. You've been discouraged. You're ready to quit. You're ready for something new. I just want to pray for you because I've been there and I know what it's like. If you'll just slip your hand up, I want to pray for you. If that's you, I'm just, I just, I need some direction. I see that hand. Thank you. I see that hand. I thank you. Thank you. Lord, I'm, I just pray every hand that's up, every hand that's not up. God, I just pray for your presence right now to just to surround them. You said in Proverbs, a man, a person makes a way in their heart, but it's the Lord that directs their steps. God, let fresh vision come. Lord, let, let clarity come. If, it's, if, it's, if one season's ending and a new season's beginning, let the leaves start to change in their life. Let them recognize that things are changing and it's okay to move on. But if, it's, if you want them to stay, Lord, speak to them. Give them renewed strength. Give them renewed passion. A fresh vision for what they're leading and what they're doing. Lord, we just thank you and we give you all the praise. It's in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen.